Second Story Studios presents The Scribe Podcast, where stories are told and glory is given. I'm Daniel Hintz, and in today's episode, we'll be looking at the creation of a short story from a single image. What does it look like to build a world through the view of a single window? What larger pictures can be found by staring through a people? What happens when inspiration meets imagination, and what might be discovered about oneself in the process? I'm here to ask these questions, and with any luck, to stumble upon some answers, too. Whether or not they're the right ones, well, that remains to be seen. But in the meantime, let's tell a story. The Painting You weren't supposed to see me. Photographs have the ability to capture a split second of time, forever isolating and immortalizing a span too brief to be otherwise noted. They allow you to press pause and carefully study tiny details that in the moment would be invisible. What's more, they don't stop there, because after revealing these hidden secrets, they go on to claim sole ownership of truth and Forever after, our perception of a photograph is our perception of the reality it represents. An imperfect vessel, just like any other, distorting and shaping the memories that it holds. Paintings, on the other hand, act differently. They remain as inadequate in exemplifying the totality of a moment, but on another level. Their focus is not a span so brief no one could take it in, but the state in and through which it was taken. Paintings are created and seen over time, and in their revision and revisitation often say more about the person making them than they do about their subject. They are a struggle to express ourselves in spite of or embracing our limitations, to let others see how we feel, partially, through yet another broken lens. So when I say that you weren't supposed to see me, running through the middle ground of the forest, making furtive eye contact as I attempted to once again disappear, you may perhaps not understand what I mean. If it had been a camera, and I was forever captured by a briefly unshuttered aperture, no one would have thought twice. They would have gaped. They would have stared. They would have come looking for me. There would have been proof indisputable evidence that I had been found, if only for the briefest possible period of time. Yet, as I caught myself looking not into the lens of a camera, but the eye of a painter, I knew that my immortalization would have a very different effect. I stopped. For no more than two or three seconds, but I'm sure to the artist it must have felt like an eternity. I know that I scared him because in the finished work I look like a ghost which, as stated, echoes the artist's fertile mind more than my own appearance. The way that the trees loom, unending, uncaring, almost sinister in their ambivalence, says something too about the moment. I wasn't supposed to be there. And you aren't supposed to care. Most people who saw merely shrugged it off. They asked each other what it meant as they passed by, not really looking for an answer as much as the opportunity to sound like they got it. Art is weird that way. It means something different to each partaker, colored subtly by whatever tinted glasses of nostalgia and experience they bring to the proverbial table. Art is, at best, a collaborative metaphor, 
a bond between creator and audience to make something out of something else, however unwillingly it is entered into by either party. So no one came looking for the boy in the woods. The boy who wasn't supposed to be there. The boy who was running, and while running, stumbled into a painter's frame for the briefest possible moment and also for time immemorial until rust and dust and imperfect memory complete the obliterations they long since began. The boy who was running from something and hiding from everything, including perhaps himself. The boy who found himself found like a mirage in the desert that reveals more about the weary traveler's thirst than the unchanging sands in which he is entombed. The boy who might have been only a figment of a painter's imagination. A trick of the light, a misshapen shadow, a terrifying look into the taut darkness where any mind might slip with the slightest provocation. If it had been a photograph, someone, somewhere, would have taken, if not myself, at least the photographer seriously. His picture would have captured something that was really there, briefly, whoever, whatever it was, and it wouldn't have been his fault. Whether it was the gaunt figure of a runaway or a blurred moat of light caused by an unsteady hand, people would have known that it was true. Even as their version of a moment in which they were not present was roughly handled by a contextless exposure of undeveloped film. But I did not see a man with a camera. I saw a man with an easel. A man who had to choose what he saw, making himself the responsible party, and, over the course of several weeks, fight a battle between his own mind and frustratingly limited abilities to convey a larger picture. What was it like in those woods? What did I see? Am I crazy? Did I imagine it? What does it all mean? You weren't supposed to see me. And neither was the painter. That story was inspired by an image, as the last several stories that I've created on this podcast have been. Uh, the interesting thing about this particular picture, work of art, painting, whatever, uh, is that I and it have quite a bit of history. This painting was actually painted by my dad, um, and it has hung up in... At first, it was in my grandmother's apartment, and every time we would go over and visit, I would see it, and I thought it was very strange and odd. And since then, it has since moved to my parents' house, where it hangs up on a pretty prominent place on the wall. And every time I go over, I still look at it and think that it's kind of strange. So with that, though, I know the real story behind this painting. My dad has told me like why he painted it and, and some of those things. And the, the actual story is that there was, um, if I'm remembering it correctly, that there was a missing boy um, who, who had gone missing when my dad was in high school or college, kind of, um, young adult age. And he painted this painting as kind of like a, what if, like, what if this boy was like lost in the woods kind of a situation, um, and was running and 
someone saw him. And I don't know if it's because of where it was hanging in my grandmother's apartment where she had kind of this entry hallway that wasn't particularly well lit. Like there weren't any windows. It was just like the entry hallway before you got to the rest of her apartment. And so this painting, obviously, if you've seen the full image or even the kind of cropped down version that's in the the thumbnail for this episode of the podcast, you know, it's like a very dark, you know, very saturated kind of painting. And the boy, the, the ghost-like figure just pops out. And ever since I was like, it, I, I just remember having this kind of image of like, it, it feels like the kind of thing that you're not supposed to see. In, in the same way that like on the front page of a tabloid at a um, grocery lane checkout, like there will be like a picture that's meant to be kind of this fuzzy, like, oh, is that Bigfoot or is that this kind of monster? Or is it the Loch Ness monster? Something like that. And you're not really sure what it looks like or how you're supposed to interpret it. And it feels like something that I don't know really how to describe it, but just that like you're not supposed to see it. That there is something about the picture that is wrong or that is, it's a secret that by you seeing it, you have now gained um, access to this information that not everyone has. I don't know if that's really how I'm describing, if I'm describing that correctly, but ever since I was a kid, that's kind of the sense that I've had when I've thought about and looked at this painting. And so I wanted to do something that for the story, first of all, it's obviously a painting that, you know, like I said, I have a history with and I want to do it justice. I want to tell a, a good story, which I do try in every episode of the podcast to do. But particularly on this one, I feel like there's more at stake. My dad does not listen to every episode of the podcast. And in fact, pretty much only listens to episodes when I tell him he should listen to a particular episode. So, I mean, I if I don't tell him that I did this, he won't ever listen to it. But I still, if he listens to it, I want him to know that like, hey, I tried with this painting that he did, you know, however many years ago, certainly before I was born. And so I wanted to tell a story that was good and worthwhile. And so I started breaking down um, and asking questions, which I think, in my opinion, is the best way to start telling a story is to ask questions about what do the things mean? Because that allows you to find interesting approaches and twists on what might be obvious already. And to tell a story that is surprising or that is um, meaningful in some way by asking like, what matters here? What is going on? What do each of these things mean? So the, the first question that I asked was, why is the boy in the woods? And that question really doesn't get answered in the story. And because the story ends up becoming um, less a story and more, it's a borderline essay on the nature of visual art, which is interesting. Um, some people could pretty easily argue it's probably not a story. Um, but I think that there are enough narrative elements that I've, I've kind of hidden in the whole like narration stream of conscious, um, like the essay, that I think it falls under the realm of a story. And I think that purposely, 
there's a lot of negative space that is left into this story um, where I am asking the audience to ask questions and to come up with their own conclusion. Um, and that that is by design because as the story got going, and I'll get into this later in the episode, as the story got going, it became about the nature of what we consider truth. But that's, again, that's getting ahead of myself. So I'm asking all these questions at the beginning of the process. Why is this boy in the woods? Um, is the story about the painting itself? I liked the idea of the painting, like the real-world painting that I used as inspiration, being part of the story. Um, because that's not something I've done before. It breaks a little bit the fourth wall, but it like then it's not just like, what is the world that this um, painting is representing, but what is the world that this painting exists in? And there again, because I knew a little bit of the real world story, I felt a little bit more comfortable going in that direction as opposed to just plunging into the actual world that the painting represents and kind of creating this fictional world where this painting exists. But the other thing that I was kind of toying with was like, is the boy a ghost? Is He certainly looks like a ghost, looks like an aberration, but is he really, or is that just like a perception? Is that the way that the painting is done? And as I was asking these questions, they all became about, is the painting accurately representing the situation? Um, that whatever scene, obviously, it's it's not a picture of a real scene. It's something that my dad imagined um, or thought like, what if? But in in the world of the story, is the picture an accurate representation of what, the the scene is or is it a stylized version that is highlighting certain themes such as the ghostliness of the boy or the the darkness of the forest and as i asked those questions that's where kind of that that examination of art came in um so the two kind of central themes was the boy feels like a ghost and then the, the forest feels oppressive and hostile, but not because it's like, maybe menacing is even a better word, but not because it's like intentionally so, it's just because it's so large and so dark and so ambivalent that it does not care. And that makes it scary. That this is a, a forest that exists on this, it's, I mean, the trees dwarf the boy in the figure. Um, they're very, they're tall, huge trees, and they go on seemingly forever, like back into the background and they don't care. And of course they don't care to their trees, but like the impression is that they are unaffected by the painter and the boy and any, any human element there. And is that actually the forest? Like is the forest some kind of menacing force? Or is that just the impression that the painting is meant to deliver? And that seemed to me um, the more interesting space to play in. I think there's an interesting story also to be told where, you know, the forest is an actual kind of force and the boy might be a ghost and, and that sort of thing. Um, but for the space that I wanted to play in, it seemed like the theme of what is this trying to convey was more appealing. And there, there again, relying on my childhood perception of the story, 
it feels like the boy isn't supposed to be in the picture. Like, we're not supposed to have seen him. We have seen something taboo that there led to the next logical step, which is where the story kind of began developing in my head of someone who wasn't supposed to be in a painting. That with a picture, that's easy to imagine. Like, because a, a picture, a photograph is taken just in a split second, things can happen that are unintentional. You know, someone can photobomb a picture or someone can blink or sneeze at the wrong time and ruin the picture. But with a painting, that's not really true because you have to take the time to paint it. And so like someone can't just pop in unexpectedly before you have a chance to change anything. Because as an artist, as you're painting, you are making the choice of what you are including. And if someone like shows up and then disappears, you just don't include them. And so I wanted a story where someone could be in a painting who wasn't supposed to be in the painting, where it could be like it's a picture, like someone just, something happened that wasn't supposed to happen, but it's with a painting. And then every choice I made after that was justifying that idea because it seemed interesting and it seemed like a challenge. And so I asked some other questions about like, why is the boy in the painting? Like, whatever, but... All of those questions kind of seemed to devolve into, as I put it in my notes, a recursive loop of nihilism, which is a lot of dumb words, but um, basically saying that like it's meaningless, that there's no meaning to this story because of the, the ambivalence of the forest and the smallness and fragileness of the boy um, and the whole tone of the thing. It could just spiral into this like never ending life is meaningless kind of thing. And that's not the story I ever want to tell. Um, there are some times where it is good to remember how transient and immaterial that we are. Um, but there also needs to be some injection of hope. Um, I think I talked about that on an interlude several months ago where a story that doesn't have that recreation or that redemption is not a completed story um, in my mind, at least most of the time. So once I had that idea of I want to justify a world in which a boy can appear in a painting he's not supposed to appear in, boom. Um, the opening line, you weren't supposed to see me, was the opening line from day one. Like, as soon as I had that, this is where the story, I'm going to try it out. That felt right as far as establishing a tone. And then I ran from there. Very little revision happened once I had that idea, which is always nice when that happens. Unfortunately, it happens all too rarely. As I was writing, the voice of the podcast or the, the voice of this story was very influenced by um, there's another fantastic podcast that like is actually legitimately good, unlike some of mine. Um, it's called Lore. And it's about folklore and the the real world stories behind supernatural or folklore sorts of scenarios like yetis and witches and you know Bigfoot and that sort of thing. And the guy who hosts that podcast um, has a very unique vocal kind of cadence and style, and he he throws in some pauses in it. For, when I was first listening to the podcast, um, it took a little bit of time for me to get used to. But as I listen to it more, like, it's just a very unique vocal delivery. And one that kind of fit the tone here of changing my cadence a little bit and throwing in some pauses and enunciating in some different places. And maybe it's not too noticeable. But as I was 
reading it in my head as I was writing it, that voice kind of naturally came to mind. So I would recommend checking out that podcast. It's called Lore. You can find it anywhere you find podcasts and give it a try. See if it might be something that you're interested in, um, especially if you enjoyed this story in this episode of the podcast. But yeah, that voice kind of, I was writing in something that bordered, like I said, bordered on an essay on the differences between photographs and paintings. Um, and it's easy for me to write essays like that because that's kind of the way my mind works and I can devolve into abstraction and metaphor sometimes more easily like than I can in a story. Um, there's just a little bit free, more free form feel when I'm writing that way. So I started playing up there again because I wanted to justify a boy being stuck in a, a boy being stuck in a painting he wasn't supposed to be in. Um, I wanted to justify that, so I started talking about photographs and started talking about that. And from that emerged that tension of how do we perceive reality? And sometimes the higher pedestal that we put certain versions of facts on and certain worldviews, the metaphor there is the photograph. That because the photograph is real in our mind, we give it maybe more weight than we would give a painting. And sometimes that's accurate. Sometimes a photograph captures a moment, but sometimes it also skews the moment that it captures and it portrays it in a way that is not completely in line with the context of everything that's happened because a photograph is such a brief moment of time and I'm just kind of at this point reiterating things that are in the story but like I said in the story it takes a brief moment and then that is forever representative of not just that brief moment but the larger context of things that are happening you you know think of um you know if you think of some of the most famous photographs of all time that that really especially like older photographs that tell us about you know a time period when maybe we weren't alive or we weren't there that is one brief brief moment of time that has become representative of sometimes entire decades and 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 lives of of hundreds or thousands of people in one photograph that is literally not even a second to create. And there's something there's something that can be good about that like a skilled photographer, or a skilled photojournalist can use that well to to create art, which I didn't really go into in the story just because I didn't have time, but I think that photographs can, you know, be just as um, thought out and planned as paintings in some cases. But as a rule, I think that they also are inherently problematic and in that they place a lot of importance arbitrarily on a one moment that is devoid of the context of everything else that's happening. Um, you know, I think of sometimes on the internet, if you look into like animated movies and some of the fr like isolating frames from animated movies that just look ridiculous when they're isolated because they are like transitional frames that are moving from images and because they happen so quick you don't notice them as you're watching the movie but if you just highlight them they look ridiculous to say that one frame like that one isolated transitional frame is representative of the whole rest of the movie or even the whole scene or whatever um, that's not fair 
to the context of what's happening, of all of the hard work that everyone put into the whole thing that, you know, you just take one image and say, that is this. And whereas a painting, the con- the comparison and the, the contrast there is a painting takes time to create. And as a, there is, again, as a rule, there are paintings that break this model um, that are about, like, accurately representing the way something is, making it photorealistic. But oftentimes it is put through the lens of how the artist sees the thing. Um, you get into, like, impressionistic paintings or... Even if it is the artist sees it the way that it actually is, um, there is still a, an artistic limitation that, like, sometimes you're just not as good at painting as you want to be, and so you have to kind of fight this battle between this is the way I see things and this is what I'm actually able to do, and how do I meld those two? And it becomes it tells us about the artist as much as it does about what the artist is painting and what maybe the subject meant to the artist or how the artist perceived the thing. And that is where um, the space that I wanted to play in. So the idea of the boy, I purposely left it vague whether the boy was really there or whether the boy was a figment of the artist's imagination because I wanted to more expose the fact that either of those things could be true and the point with that then trying to be that just because we have like a particular paradigm for truth does not mean it's the only paradigm for truth that maybe what the artist is trying to say in this painting is just as true if not more true than what a photograph of the same scene would be and not just in like a reality like this is what i saw but like what does it mean what is it exploring what themes are happening here particularly if that boy is imaginary like what does that say about the artist like what does that say about the nature of of the world um, and those are very vague like complex issues that i'm not 100 percent equipped to deal with on this podcast you know, I really have no right to be talking about stuff that I don't know a ton about. But those ideas intrigued me. And I hope that as an audience, they intrigued you as well. Uh, maybe they inspired you to tell your own stories or to think about art differently. Or, I mean, maybe they just entertain you. Either of those is acceptable outcomes for me. Um, so, yeah, I would love to hear feedback from you guys what this story Uh, made you think about if it inspired you to do anything if you would have done anything differently or maybe if you just want to share some of the things that you create that are inspired by it or inspired by the story or the art or whatever i'd love to hear about that um ascribe podcast all one word a-s-c-r-i-b-e podcast dot wordpress also all one word dot com ascribe podcast dot wordpress dot com there's a contact tab at that website you can go there you can send me an email you can comment on uh, any of the episodes and i would love to hear um, from you any of those things that i mentioned or anything else that maybe i didn't mention that you just want to um, get in contact with me that would be the place to do it i'd love to hear about it and yeah i should probably thank my father for painting this uh painting long before i was born and for giving me this inspiration for this story i hope that it was worthy of the painting that he did or at least wasn't too out there and weird but anyway uh, thank you for listening to this episode of the ascribe podcast i have been your host daniel hints and until next time 
tell stories worth telling. Give glory where glory is due. Goodbye.